Iowa's News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. to another basketball edition of Eye on the Hawks with Curtis Fader and Mike Howell. I am Owen Sebring. As we reach now the final three games of the Hawkeye women's basketball team's regular season, there are many questions to be answered after last night's loss to Indiana. Maybe some similar vibes to what happened last year against Maryland, but the road woes continue to be something of a problem for the Hawkeye women's basketball team. Uh, full disclosure, I didn't get a chance to really watch the game last night. I followed along with the scores a little bit. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch the game at all, but um, what, what jumped out right away for the biggest thing? Um, I mean, was, was Caitlin's shooting the biggest factor? I mean, it seems like there was just a lot that went wrong. Nobody seemed to step up in her absence. What, what was it last night? It seemed to me like, Curtis, I don't, did you watch the game too? Uh, well, I was also covering uh, two other sporting events, okay. but I was getting so uh, I, footage and also keeping track as sounds well. Sounds like I was I was locked in watching it. <laughs> Indiana was just their defense. I mean, night and day. If you watch the game last month at home in Carver, I think it was the same day as the Chiefs-Dolphins game. We had a double screen going. Mm-hmm. Like, they look like completely two different, completely different teams. Their defense, they were so physical. Uh, the crowd had something to do with it. They were just raucous the entire night. It was you know, a sight to see for, for Indiana fans, I'm sure. Um, and, and they were just a lot better shooting than they were um, in the first matchup. Uh, what did they shoot? Indiana from beyond the three-point line, 342.9%, which is really good. Uh, um, Scalia, how do you say her last name? Because it looks like Scalia, but it, they, didn't, they don't, it's Scalia. I thought it was Scalia, uh, so I don't know. <laughs> They're saying it, they say it differently. Really? Anyway, she I was have amazing. no input on pronunciations. She, she was um, just all over the court. Iowa tried to do their best uh, trying to deny her the ball, but yeah, she had 25 points and, and led the the game in scoring, which I was going to do this later in the game, but uh, or later in the podcast, but let's do a little trivia real quick. Hmm. Um, there's only one other game where Caitlin did, was not the only leading scorer um, throughout the entire game. Uh, no, hold on, let me rephrase this. An opponent scored as many points as her. This is the first time she's um, not either been the leading scorer or co-leading scorer in a game this season. Can you name which opponent it happened against? Excluding I, the Hannah Stolke game, of course. Yeah. Um, an opposing player scored more. as many points as her. This is the only time that an opposing player scored more points than her. Scalia um, had 25. Caitlin had 24. It wasn't Aoka Lee? No. Um, I butchered the way to, to set up that question, but you know what I'm saying, right? I think I know did, what you're did saying. Did Audie Crooks put up a good stat line in the Cyhawk? She put a good stat line, but Caitlin had like more points than her. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, gosh. Was it a Big Ten game? No. Oh, really? Jeez. No. Um... This is a non-conference game early in the season. Oh, wait, wait. Was it uh, Amor? No. Oh. I don't know. Lexi Fleming from Bowling Green <laughs> had 24 points and Caitlin had 24. <laughs> so that's the only game this year that Return an opponent. Return of the Mac, baby. <laughs> that, that she didn't outscore the leading scorer on the opponent's team. Really? Other than last night. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, it seems like everybody had great things to say about Indiana. Uh, from just what I saw on Twitter, I mean... Uh, you'll be you'll be shocked to hear that Hawkeye fans are complaining about the officiating. I don't know if that was uh, legitimately a cause for issue or not. I thought they were 
letting them play physical. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I feel like every basketball game I watch, college basketball, I feel like the officiating is um, not consistent. And I don't think it was all in uh, Indiana's favor. The, the crowd in Indiana was getting on the refs for some calls in the first half and in the third quarter. There was a weird time when people were mad because this girl from Indiana like kind of was like, she landed on the ball and she kind of like pushed her foot in a way that it almost looked like they were saying she kicked Caitlin in the side, but it was like, she was just kind of like rolling away on this ball and her foot happened to end up in on her side, but it looked far from yeah. egregious to me. And then Indiana was also screaming foul play when uh, it looked like a Caitlin Clark push off and then did see that. You know, it was called on Indiana. That was instead. a weak foul call in my opinion. Just let them play. Like I, yeah. I get so annoyed at games when the refs I think the reason why everyone's complaining is because they saw how the national championship game went down. They don't want that to happen again. Mm -hmm. They want, you know, the players to decide who wins the national title. I will say that uh, as much as I talk about things going wrong, um, Kate Martin had another nice game. She had 19 points, but 0 for 6 on three-pointers. Gosh, Iowa just could not hit a three-pointer last night. They were 5 for 28 as a team. Um, So under, uh, what's that, under 25%. Caitlin was... Three for 16 on three-pointers, which is just awful for her. I mean, under 20%. Yeah. Um, not quite her worst three-point shooting night of the season. She was two for 16 against Kansas State. Um, I mean, uh, hopefully get these games out of your system right now because uh, you can't really do that in March. I mean, we said this last week, or I said this last week, there's going to be one more loss on the schedule. Hopefully for Hawkeye fans, this was it. Yeah, and and it, it, like I said, it has similar vibes to the Maryland game last year, the game that um, the Iowa women referred to as their March medicine because that's what ended up kind of catapulting them to um, their deep run of the postseason. But The difference um, with that game and this game is Iowa did show some fight in the second half. They cut the lead um, at the start of the fourth quarter to eight points. They were down 18, okay. uh, which was encouraging, but... Again, anytime they made a run, Indiana came back with a couple threes. Yeah. Uh, they were lights out. Um, so Kate was good. <clears throat> the biggest thing that they had that in that last game against Indiana at home was Molly Davis had the game of her life. She only had three points last night. In 25 minutes, a little surprised that she didn't have a better game. Um, Gabby only had three. Sid had four. Addie had six. Um, just not a whole lot of contribution from people that were not Caitlin and Kate. Um, and after the game, Lisa Bluter, who did get to the press podium first, uh, we will notice. Um, she, she talked about the, the need for this team to have a little bit more help from the supporting cast. Real quick, this video oh. is courtesy of Hawkeye Report. Courtesy of Hawkeye Report. Yeah, I mean, Gabby Marshall is one for two from three. I'd take that any day, um, but she's got to have more than two shots. I mean, she shot 50% from three-point range, so that's pretty good. Um, you know, we need to get her the ball more, you know. We had other people shoot the ball well. Addison O'Grady was 60%. Uh, Sydney was 66%. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, we have to have other people shoot the ball, you know? And that was, that was the issue in that uh, Kansas State game as well, is that Caitlin wasn't making her shots and just nobody was stepping up in her absence. It seems like they still were just deferring, trying to get it back to Caitlin, hoping, well, it's the fourth quarter now. Maybe now she's going to get the hot hand, and that – time just never came that she could truly get them back to a you know one possession game part of me wonders since caitlin has been so great that others feel timid to step up mm-hmm. when they think that a clark shot would be a more high percentage shot than themselves shooting it yeah i did, i watching the game 
flow last night. They did try and get the ball down low to Hannah a lot. That seemed like a, a game plan to get Mackenzie Holmes in, in foul trouble, but Mackenzie would not let Hannah yeah. do much down there. They tried to be aggressive down there, and Indiana kind of came back with them. So I think it she was aggressive, but she I think she got blocked like two or three times by Mackenzie Holmes. Indiana had a ton of blocks. Uh, let me Hannah, check real quick. Nine Hannah blocks. Only, how, how many? Nine blocks. Nine. And Hannah was only four of nine on field goals. That's not a great night from her. you got to have her above 50%. Um, one thing that continues to be a major concern for me on this Iowa roster is Gabby Marshall. And, and people were talking about this again last night. And I, I defer sometimes to Mike just because he's watched enough basketball that I think maybe he, among the three of us, possibly knows the most about the game of basketball, like in terms of the, the ins and outs and X's and O's. Um, the, the line all along with Gabby has been like, well, you know, she's not shooting her best this season, but she's a great defender. Is she a great defender? I, I was hearing some people last night talking on Twitter about like, she's been super mid as a defender this season. And it's not like she's even contributing that much on, on defense. Do you see her being an elite defender that is, uh, actually contributing a lot to this team? I think she is a good defender last night. I mean, she had a tough, this Indiana team's tough to guard. Yeah. All the guards, um, Garzon is, is a tall guard. Uh, Scalia is one heck of a player. Um, last night, I just think they shot the ball well, Indiana. Yeah. I think it was it's less of a, what you can do. I think as a team, when, when they're moving the ball and they can find open shots, it's hard to pin the blame on one person like it is Gabby. But like Lisa said, she's got to take more shots. I think there was times where she could have t- taken more shots, but she deferred mm-hmm. either to Caitlin or try to get the ball down low or, or try to get the ball to Kate. Yeah. And I don't know what that's about. And that's been all season. I feel like she just has not – there have been times where I'm like, Gabby, this is an open shot for you. Like, I don't know why she yeah. just – I feel like it's only to- wide open. Like, if she's wide open, she'll yeah. take it. But if somebody's coming, she might do a pump pick to try to step to the side, and then all of a sudden the closeout's there and she has to pass off when she could have just pulled the trigger. She's just become so hesitant. Um, some other terms I was seeing last night was just like that she's a, a black hole on offense and that she's... That's a little harsh. <laughs> uh, is it untrue? I yeah. mean, gosh, she's just a complete non-factor for this team on offense. There's just... The only times, uh, I, I guess I should look at her actual numbers to see if this is true, but the only times I remember her being a legitimate factor in a game or making a huge contribution have been blowout wins where the outcome was already determined. And her, you know, like the UNI game, she, she had an incredible game against UNI, but I was still won that game by like 40. So, you know, what, what good does that do you? Her other double digit game, she had 12 against F- Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, she had 12 in the 30-plus point win against Rutgers, 12 in the 25-point win against Purdue. She did have 12 against Indiana the first time, I will say that, even though that, too, was Another a 17-point yeah. win. She had 12 against Northwestern, which was a 36-point win. Those are her only games in double digits this year, so none, of, none that were close games at all. I, I, there's a discussion, I think, to be had about, like, should Gabby be benched? Like, Put Taylor McCabe in there. Taylor McCabe is a the same type of player in terms of somebody who can crank out some three-pointers, and she's got confidence to do it. Like, Taylor's at least, like, taking three-pointers when she gets in the game. I don't know what kind of defender she is, if she is that much, like, worse than Gabby, that she that this team would see a noticeable difference in the defense if Taylor played in there instead of I Gabby. I think they but, would. I, 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 I don't know how, because she only plays, like, six to eight minutes a game, you right. know? 
And when they had her in last night, they were, they were, uh, she was mainly on the girl who they were sagging off of defensively. I forget her name, but she came off the bench, the Indiana girl. Okay. Um, but if you played her those, like Gabby played 34 minutes last night. Mm-hmm. That's the second most out of anyone. She played more minutes than, minutes than Kate Martin with three fouls. Um, and she went to two shots. That's a problem. Yep. And so she's got to be out there for a reason. And I think she does play good defense. I mean, Indiana is a good team despite them losing at, at Illinois. So I guess the question is, is this just a bump in the road, like a March medicine, like you said, against Maryland? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I've seen some talk about there being a blueprint now. Be physical with Caitlin, box of one, face guard, and the other the rest of the team is just not going to step it up to the level they need to. If I were to create a blueprint to beat Iowa, it would be that, being physical with Caitlin, because you have no idea how the whistles are going to go. If the whistles are going to be super hot, then draw charges, yep. get Caitlin Clark in foul trouble that way, because she does like to get separation, and sometimes you can feed into that. If they're letting it go, try to rough her up a little bit more, try to frustrate her by fouling her and her not getting the calls. And then also, you know, making sure that you have a superior post presence because Iowa's bread and butter whenever Caitlin Clark doesn't have the ball is toss it in and then let the Jan Jensen Academy of Post Products do its thing. Mm-hmm. And if Hannah Stolke can't be effective, then obviously there's Kate Martin who can make a couple shots, but, you know, who else is going to step up? And that hasn't been consistent. And when you're in March, feeding into those inconsistencies on any given game is what can beat Iowa. That, and that's, yeah, that is becoming more and more evident that there isn't really somebody that, other than Kate, that has been able to step up in most of these games. One thing I have been impressed with this year with Caitlin is she has not seemed to be in foul trouble as much as I remembered her last year. Um, she had four against Iowa State. Um, uh, she had four against Indiana last time. I think that some of that is is just her state. IQ and and yeah. I know last night she got a foul. How many did she have last night? Uh, last night she had two. She had two. Okay, so after the second foul, I believe this happened. Um, there was a play where I think they dumped it into Mackenzie Holmes or or, or Garzon, and Caitlin could have swatted at the ball to try and contest it, but she just gave up the layup because that's yeah. like two points is now worth a third foul right. in my eyes and probably in her eyes and Lisa Bluter's eyes. Yep. There, there's plays like that where she doesn't play as competitively on the defensive end to swat a ball or whatever, just because I think the refs would have called it. Yeah. Well, now with three Big Ten losses, their title chances for a regular season Big Ten title pretty much go out the window. Um, we're going to take a look now at the Big Ten standings as as we have, well, Iowa at least has three games remaining. I'm, I'm not totally sure about the rest of the team. Indiana has two. Ohio State has three games left. Okay. Um, so they're they're looking up at both Ohio State and Indiana right now, which is tough to think that, like, boy, this team has gone from maybe a one seed in the Big Ten tournament to right now they're looking at the three seed, which uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, the difference between a two and a three seed is not that great. Regardless, Iowa and Indiana would have to probably play each other in the semifinal round of the Big Ten tournament, but um, you still would at least like to um, be up in that two spot if you get a chance for the sake of the quarterfinal round of the tournament. Um, So what do we have here? Ohio State still with just one Big Ten loss. They would need to lose one of their next two games for Iowa to have a chance to um, still get that tiebreaker if yep. they if they beat them in that Sunday game coming up uh, in a week and a half. So the good news is, and I've got the three games remaining left this year, <clears throat> Ohio State does have kind of a tough stretch. Yeah. Maryland's won four in a row. 
um, and they play Michigan, who Michigan beat them earlier in the season. They have their only Big Ten loss. Both of those games are at home, though. So that's advantage Ohio State. Now, if they just get one more loss, Iowa could cause a three-way tie in the the standings, and then Maryland could – could mess things up too that day. I think later in the day they play Indiana on the final yep. day. So I think if you're a Hawkeye fan, you're a big Maryland fan right now. And <laughs> yeah. hope they went out mm-hmm. uh, because I don't believe Maryland can jump you unless you lose out, mm-hmm. and um, they could really help you when it comes to the standings. Yeah, and if you're if you're watching on the YouTube page, this is a good time to do it. Um, we have we have some nice graphics that Mike always does a fabulous job of putting these together. Um, so Iowa, of course, with their three remaining games, it's uh, Illinois this coming Sunday, Minnesota next Thursday, and then Ohio State is the final regular season game of the year. Um, are we, can we go back to the Big Ten standings yeah, sure. again? So where's Maryland standing there? They're sixth. Nebraska is fourth. There's, yeah, <laughs> that's the strange thing about the Big Ten is that, like, unless for some reason Iowa loses out the rest of the way, uh, they can't finish any lower than third in the conference. So what you see right here is – probably going to be the final season standings unless unless some chaos happens um and and if if you know loses the game if the standings hold right now i know it's kind of a weird thing to look at in the big 10 tournament but this year it's in minneapolis usually it's in either chicago or most years it's in indianapolis that'd be advantage iowa with with fans um you look at the games that they played against indiana the home game iowa advantage iowa wins big indiana home when they're at home they win big um I imagine that in Minnesota, it's going to be 60, 70% Hawkeye fans for that game. If that's the game, if Iowa wins their quarterfinal game. I know we were discussing tiebreakers the other day. Um, So Indiana, they do have the tiebreaker above for against Iowa right now in terms of the Big Ten tournament standings because they have the same. I mean, if they both went out. What's that? Right now they just they they have one they've played one more game so they have okay. one more win. I just didn't know like if if both teams went out they would have three they would each have three conference losses so I didn't know if, if who would have the tiebreaker since they split there. their two meetings. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to look. Um, I believe it it go to their their um, it go to their record against Ohio State. Oh, against Ohio and, State. And Indiana lost that, and Iowa. So Iowa would get the two seed if they went out. Okay. Because it, assuming they went out, they'd be 1-1 one one against Ohio State to Indiana's 0-1. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know. And, and I know we looked at these tiebreaker scenarios against Ohio State that uh, for Iowa, there's pretty much no chance for Iowa to get the one seed at this point. So this is different. We were, we were looking at it a few days ago, yeah. and I have the sheet at my desk, but I'm not at my desk right now, where um, the scenario would have had to been Iowa wins, and it'd be a two-way tie. With a three-way tie, I'm not really sure how it works. I have to go back and look at it. But I'll tweet out this video later and, and, and look it up to see. Yeah, I was rooting for a lot of chaos right now, as you say, big Maryland fans. Um, but playing in the state of Indiana last night, something that possibly – Caitlin's going to be doing a lot of in her future. Um, Indiana Fever, of course, have the number one pick in the WNBA draft this uh, this coming spring and whatever that's going to be, April, mid-April to late April sometime when they have the draft. Um, and she she was asked about that last night, um, the potential of this being her future home and uh, playing for the Indiana Fever possibly one day. You know, honestly, I'm just focused on this team right now. Um, you know, playing my heart out for Iowa and getting to represent my state every single day, and that's what it's all about. And um, you know, I'm not really too worried about the future. That, that is what it is. It comes when it comes, whatever I decide. But, um, you know, I go game by game. Move, I got to learn from this. I got to move on. 
and then we got a really good Illinois team at home, so uh, we got to get ready for that. She looked miserable. Really? I couldn't get a good look from that angle. I was looking up the date of the WNBA draft, which is April 15th. It's wild to think that's less than two months away that we'll know. I mean, I'd assume that whenever... So she has to declare before then, right? No, uh, they actually get probably... If she goes all the way to the championship game, she probably has about two days yeah. to decide. You can you can wait until your season's over, which I assume which she will. Oh yeah, I, yeah, that's what I was. Just I remember this last year when Aaliyah Boston had to declare. Yeah, but they do have. Uh, I guess I don't know if anybody has a chance to look at when the championship game is this year. What that date is should be around like April first. I would I would say. Okay. Um, um, but yeah, so there's there's just not a lot of time for them to get a turnaround I mean it's like is it the fall because the championship game last year was on a Sunday. Sunday so probably March 31st then yeah um something like that usually seems like it dips into April but um that's that's kind of I I, I mean I would have assumed that would be the answer that April uh, 7th April 7th is a championship mm -hmm. yeah so they have eight days between the championship game and <laughs> the WNBA and that's, draft and that's, that's why so I was kind of bringing up how does the season end because if she feels like she has unfinished business and it's so soon she yeah. might just instinctively come back let me pose something to you guys that um, uh, maybe you guys can point out some flaws in this plan but I was just uh, in a space where I was hearing another Hawkeye fan talking about this and giving some theories to to a possible uh, future scenario for Caitlin Clark. So obviously number one pick in the WNBA draft. If you're an NBA team, second round picks, I mean, are such a crapshoot. You know, they could be, they're a Croatian guy who is never going to even step foot on American soil. I mean, or a Serbian guy who becomes a multi MVP. It <laughs> could be one or the other. Um, Second round picks are almost just like, you, I mean, you just never know what you're going to get out of them. If you're a NBA team, could, uh, could an NBA team use a second round pick, 52nd overall, on Caitlin Clark? And they tell her, you go play your WNBA season, and then whenever you're done, whenever you want to, come and work out with us and be on our roster and let us sell jerseys with your name on it. Um, and let us print some basketball cards that have your that face. That is in such your, a Charlotte genre. Hornets thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is is this? I don't even know if that's legal for somebody to be on a WNBA and an NBA team at the same time. Be under payroll for both. Um, this seems like kind of a crackpot scheme, but is, is that is that the right take, or I mean, is there something there that she? I mean, legit, she would not compete on an NBA team. I don't want to make any mistake about that, that she's going to be like, oh man, she's going to go out there and be a starter for the Pacers or something. But like, she could occupy a bench spot if a team's up by 20 in the fourth quarter, send her in there and have her, you know, shoot a couple of three-pointers and make a bunch of jersey sales. Well, the one thing that I would also add is that the men's game has a size 29.5 PSI ball and the women's game is size 28.5. So the muscle reaction is going to be a little different the depth Good perception point. is going to be different so i don't know if her shooting because you don't want her to mess up her mechanics yeah. for the WNBA where she wants to tear it up mm -hmm. so in terms of that i don't think caitlin also wants to touch the nba i think she wants to just revolutionize the women's game and stop having people compare her to the men's game like oh the real good players go to the nba like yeah she wants to have people see the WNBA as an equal mm -hmm. competitive field. Yeah. 
which, I mean, the, if, if the, the, the counterpoint to that, if I'm playing devil's advocate, is that, like, <laughs> that would only enhance the, uh, the um, vision of the WNBA or the eyeballs on the WNBA if she were, again, playing in the NBA because then that's more people seeing her do that. There's a lot more just, like, talk and discussion about Caitlin Clark. Wow, she could be on NBA roster. How good could she be as a WNBA player? Let's, let's tune in and find out. Um, but you make a good point about the ball size and just, you know, court, court size differences. That it's, it is such a different game logistically even that, um, mm-hmm. that there would have to be a lot to change there. So Also, she would have the biggest LeBron James scrutiny in WNBA history. Mm. Being like, oh, she's a hot shot playing in the NBA, huh? Well, we're going to have a special defensive package for her. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sabrina, go get her. Yeah, that's true. She um, thinks she's better than you, Sabrina. Go go clamp her up. That's true. And, th- and this is just kind of, you know, from some somebody who, like, obviously people that think that she's the GOAT think that she, you know, could could hang with guys in the, in the NBA. Um, but for a marketing standpoint, it makes some sense, but... Uh, logistically as a player, I don't know. I like the All-Star Weekend uh, plans where sure. they're like, oh, yeah, Kaylin Sabrina versus Stephen Clay or Stephen Dame. Yeah. I like that. That's pretty good. Well, if you're the Hawkeyes, your chance for a one seed, I mean, it's uh, there, there's no margin for error anymore. You basically have to win out if you want to get that one seed in the NCAA tournament. And I think winning out does get the job done. But if Winning out, more- winning the Big Ten tournament would... Big, would make a good case. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think for sure if they happen to win out for the rest of the season and then win the Big Ten tournament, I mean, that's wins over Ohio State and another one over Indiana probably. Like, that's some quality wins. That, with the amount of parity that's been going on in the NCAA this season in women's basketball, that for sure I think gets you a one seed. Last weekend they had the um, top 16 bracket reveal. Mm-hmm. You know, they do that, like, I think they did the men's one the week before or last week too, I can't remember. But um, Iowa was the fifth overall um, team up there so they're right there yeah but ohio state is i think the fourth so it's like you know the the hawkeyes do need to watch themselves though because i mean right now you're in a solid position for a two seed if you lose two more games are you still a two seed or do you get even bumped below that you know if they lose to ohio state and then they lose to indiana or ohio state again in the big 10 tournament are they even a two seed at that point, or do they get bumped down to the three line? I think the biggest thing is where are they on the bracket in regards to South Carolina? Because I think everybody else on those rankings, they will have no problems beating, and I think they want to save up their best performance for last mm-hmm. against South Carolina. Like you wouldn't want to face South Carolina in the Elite Eight. Right. You would want to save it for Cleveland mm-hmm. at some point, whether it's Final Four or preferably the championship, so there's no potential letdown in the game after. Yeah. Yeah, that is a tall order right now. I, I don't personally think that anybody's beaten South Carolina this season. But um, as, as the women's uh, seeding possibilities drop a bit, um, the Iowa men's team continues to stay in the discussion for an NCAA tournament. They're still on the outside looking in in terms of a lot of the bracketology at this point, still a bubble team, but get a couple of... Quad one wins, so sorry, is this right? They they've gotten three quad one wins in one week. So they they did technically. Uh, Minnesota moved up, oh. and uh, w- and so they're the seventy third team in the net. Okay, and they they beat them on the road, so you have, it's a top seventy five. So got it. Actually, they technically moved into the third or uh, into a quad one win 
technically, and then they won last night, so I think they'll move up a little bit more too. Yeah, they're certainly certainly showing some things. Curtis, you were at that game on Saturday when they played Wisconsin and managed to pull that one off in overtime. Yeah. I mean, that, that was exactly what the NCAA committee would have wanted to see out of that team. I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, March Madness looks like the Hawkeyes. They're yeah. just so unpredictable, which is entertaining, but also it's just hard to gauge what they're going to be like game in, game out. I mean, some, some games Ben Cricky disappears, some games he steps up. I think the blueprint is to have Owen Freeman stay out of foul trouble and be effective in the post while Peyton Sanford remains the uh, number one scorer, getting some good shots off. And people were starting to <laughs> say his shot selection was more Caitlin Clark-like, the way he can just pull the trigger. Mm. And that's why there's some NBA bait with him. Like, he is a possible second rounder because he has a really good release, he has very good fundamentals, and he can knock down shots. It's just a matter of who's the third and fourth. It's a lot similar to Iowa where you think you have your one and your two option, and those have to be there. Who else can fill in? And on a game-to-game basis, that's the other thing that you're kind of, if you're a Hawkeye fan, you're nervous. If you're up 20 or you're down 20, you have no idea who's going to win the game. Yeah. I uh, see Peyton Sanford's future a lot like Joe Wieskamp, where I think that he can get maybe a late second-round draft pick. Go to the main Celtics. <laughs> Enjoy some little cups of coffee in the NBA here and there, but mostly spend your career as a G League guy, which nothing wrong with that if you can make a paycheck and spend some time playing in the league. Um, but that's a little bit how I would see his future right now. But, yeah, those wins over Wisconsin and uh, Michigan State are crucial. Um, and they've got a few quad one wins, uh, quad one games coming up at least. And um, we heard from Fran on, on some of these uh, quality opponents that they've had on the schedule lately. You know, I think a great deal because of the respect that we have for the two programs you just mentioned. I mean, you know, not a lot of teams come in here and win. Uh, and not a, lot, you know, not a lot of teams beat those teams either place. So the fact that we were able to fight through an overtime victory against Wisconsin was ranked, and then another quad one win for us here on the road. And obviously on the road, it's always going to be harder. And it's, you know, I think in many ways, more indicative of your team's ability to compete. But now we've got to do it again. We've got to go on the road at Illinois. It's one of the best teams in the country. So that was courtesy of Spartan Mag. Courtesy of Spartan Mag. Thank and yeah, this team... It's it's you look back at the schedule and they've grown a lot and you can credit the recent week on them growing throughout the year and finding themselves. They're a really young team, but I think they're on the bubble of being on the bubble. They've got three quad one um, opportunities left this season. And I feel like you have to have at least a winning record to even be in the consideration of being in the bubble come tournament time and then win a couple games in, in Minneapolis. So that's a tall order. Um, like you said, they've this is the first time they've won back to back. I think since earlier January 12th and 15th yeah in a month they've been trading wins and losses so is this a turn in the corner or is this just catching a couple opponents on the right night because Wisconsin has lost you know four or five when they head into Iowa City and their collapse is pretty shocking and almost noteworthy in years to come as a blueprint of what happens when a Sixth-ranked team decides to plummet all of a sudden. Yeah, and and um, yeah, as much as as much as the Iowa women, their margin for error is zero in terms of getting a one seed. 
Um, it's a little bit the same for Iowa in terms of just games down the stretch if they want to get in the tournament. I do think that as long as they win two of their remaining games on the regular season schedule, they enter the Big Ten tournament still with a chance, still with hope. If they only win one of their next three, it, I think all hope is out the window. Um, but two, I mean, if those two tough. wins are like, I mean, shoot, if they beat Northwestern on the road and beat Illinois, those are two pretty high-quality wins. You're going into the Big Ten tournament with 18 wins on the season. Let me throw this at you, though. They'll be, thir- they'd be uh, 18 and 13. <laughs> Does that sound like a tournament team to well, you? Well, that, that's why I say that going into the Big Ten tournament, then if they pick up a couple of wins there, then they're 20 and 14 potentially going to the tournament. That is still a point where you're at least like optimistic. They're like, well, maybe this team still can't get into the NCAAs. Um, yeah. So. But then you have the red hot group of fives that get upset in the tournament. So they don't get an automatic bid. And then you have a lot of other bubble teams that have similar cases. So yeah. it's really going to be a crapshoot. Yeah. They're, they're needing at least four wins somewhere. Um, if they want to get into the NCAA tournament where, whether those come in the regular season or the big 10 tournament, um, doesn't matter a whole lot. I think that you just need to stack up those wins one way or another. Um, a big, a big reason why they've been able to pull this off. Ben Cricky has come back and, um, we, we've seen some really bright spots with him this year. He's had 25-point games three, four or so times a season, um, had 18 points the other night against Michigan State. Um, 14 rebounds, too. Yep. Um, not much going on against Wisconsin. Only have four points in that game, but really turned it on against Michigan State. And uh, Fran McCaffrey talked about what, what has contributed to this resurgence we've seen in the transfer from Valpo. I told him you can't play 33 minutes to get one rebound. That's what he did against Merlin. I said, you're better than that. We need more from you. He said, Coach, I got you. It's pretty simple. Character guy, through and through. There you go. Um, and bring I love cr- that, though, don't you? Just like, yeah. you can't do that, man. You got to play better. <laughs> yeah, like we didn't bring you here from Valpo to get us one rebound in 30 minutes. Like, you, you, you were brought here to help this team get to the NCAA tournament, not to get us one rebound. This is such an obscure reference, but do you guys remember Everybody Loves Raymond when... The guy was mo- the dad was mocking Robert, and he's like, "You called me the useless giraffe." And he goes, "You were six foot ten. Couldn't you get a couple rebounds?" <laughs> I would be shocked if anyone in the world got that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. By the way, are we all kind of pleasantly surprised that reference came from me, <laughs> <laughs> and not my mom, who's maybe the world's biggest Everybody Loves Raymond fan? Yes. Ray Romano, I think, would have trouble remembering. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just giving you crap. <laughs> um, but and that's, it is surprising how few rebounds Ben Cricky gets on a nightly basis. I mean, he had one against Maryland, but he had two against Minnesota, two against Ohio State, two against Purdue. I mean, the guy doesn't get double-digit rebounds. He's only had double-digit rebounds three times this entire season. Um, and again, you, you were hoping for a little bit more Philip Robracha type of numbers out of him, and those numbers sometimes are there, but not quite as consistently as what we got out of Robracha. Um, The one thing too this week, and and both on the men's and women's side, is there's a lot to talk about a players-only meeting. I don't know if you listened to on on Saturday before the game, um, they mentioned Iowa had a players-only meeting, including Connor McCaffrey, though. (laughs) But then Indiana had one as well after they lost to Illinois. So, like, I think maybe the women just need a players-only meeting. And <laughs> Never <they'll>, hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's important, I guess. I remember the Iowa football team had a players-only meeting after the, I think it was after the Penn State game. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I remember that. Um, and I think, I think um, uh, Kirk kind of joked about it because he's like, 
they should have more. Well, that, but he's also like, usually that happens with bad teams. He's like, we're seven and two or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what, what, we're, we don't really, we haven't gotten to that point yet, have we? Um, well, offense. Uh, yeah. Uh, offense, offense would generate a players-only meeting. Um, but... They're, they're still in the hunt, and, and that's what you want to be doing when you get to late February. If nothing else, you want to be playing meaningful basketball games, and that's what, they're, what they're doing. Is Ben Cricky the only guy who for sure is going to be gone next season? Uh, Tony Perkins might be. He, there was an interview. I think Tyler Tatchman did the story. He said he's still undecided. I think they asked him this oh. after the Michigan State game. He said he's going to play the seasons out. He has an um, opportunity for a COVID year. Right. So he's like, I... I'm going to take some time, think about it, and then uh, decide if I'm going to come back or, or move on. Move on to? Well, the, you know, the article like, said. <laughs> I guess. He could play in Europe, probably. Yeah, for sure. He a could lot play of Americans can. <laughs> but um, that's just what they were talking about. Yeah. He's a senior. Um, does anybody know who jo- Jovan Cater is? He is a senior for the Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball team. We'll find out on senior night then. <laughs> Isn't McCaffrey gone? Say what? Isn't Patrick gone? Uh, yes, yeah, that is true. Yes, Patrick McCaffrey is a redshirt senior, so he, has, he will have exhausted his eligibility after this season. Uh, well, actually, that's not quite true because he, so he has his COVID year, um, but his true freshman year was 2019-20, and he only played in two games that season. Okay. So I think that Patrick could come back next season. Um, I just saw some, um, and this is just on Twitter. Some people are like, "Well, who's the lineup?" And I didn't see his name, so I just figured he was done. But yeah. again, in the year in the in the COVID era, you, there's always someone who can come back. There's only a few years left of this craziness, guys. Uh, <laughs> we are we're almost there. Uh, Evan Evan Bronze um, transfer from Belmont. He he could. He He's, actually has two years of eligibility that he I can mean, still play. As a senior? Gets put in the lineup for fouls. He, it's true. He, he is listed as a senior, but his first year, I'm sorry, he could play one more year. Um, his first year was 2020-21, so he's basically in, in Caitlin's same scenario where his freshman year was a COVID year, so he could play one more, sorry. Um, so, again, a guy that could stick around. Yeah, he, he's certainly not turned into what we'd hoped out of Evan Bronze, but... Um, Having a guy around, he's gotten a little bit more quality minutes lately and could maybe see more of him down the road if he were to come back next season. There's just a lot of what-ifs, uh-huh. especially going into next year. Like, what if Owen Freeman takes a big leap? What if Brock Harding steps up even more and becomes a bigger playmaker at the guard position? There's yep. just a lot of what-ifs right now. You're, you're getting to look at the – if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you're getting to look at the Iowa men's team's remaining regular season schedule. Um, got at, at number 12, Illinois – What's today? 23rd? So that's, yeah. Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. Um, then Penn State and uh, Northwestern the following week. Um, Penn State is number 97 in the net, 13 and 14 overall. Uh, n- no matter what, they have to win that game. You can't lose to Penn State, I don't think, and still get into the tournament. That's Not at home. Uh, they, yeah, exactly. And they've already lost to Penn State this year. They, they were in control of that game, too, and it's disappointing that they lost. Yeah. Um, just for the record, Iowa has two incoming freshmen coming in next year, I believe. Hmm. Cooper, uh, Cooper Cook and Chris uh, Tejo. Was I, I don't know how to say that. Anyway, they're both forwards, so um, at least two people, scholarly players, will probably have to leave. What's, what's Carter Kingsbury's scenario? He's li- just listed as a redshirt sophomore. I feel like that guy's been on the roster forever. Um, There's a lot of 
speculation, especially the way that the season has panned out for uh, DeSante Bowen, that he might enter the portal? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see a few guys enter the portal, frankly, from this team. Kingsbury's one of them that I know he's a legacy kid, but um, if he wants to actually get playing time somewhere, that would have to come elsewhere. That's weird because um, two months ago, <clears throat> I was cutting sound bites. Maybe it was just one month ago. Fran McCaffrey mentioned that he, he, would, he would feel comfortable putting uh, Kingsbury in the lineup. Hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe we're going to get this, you know? And then I just haven't, he hasn't played a single minute since then. <laughs> yeah. We saw him against, Cle- wait, who they play in Des Moines? Cleveland Florida, a- Florida A&M. Oh, Florida. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we saw him in that game, and I have, don't know if I've seen his feet touch the court since then. I'm sure he has in a blowout win or loss, but not anything significant. Um, so th- these regular season games certainly do take on some significance. They are ones to keep an eye on because this is still a team that has NCAA tournament possibilities. Um, we, we, it's going to come down to the very end of the season um, in terms of the Big Ten tournament, what this team does, and where their postseason fate will lie, both for the men's and the women's team. And whatever does happen, we're going to keep you updated here on Eye on the Hawks. We'll be joining you every week as we discuss the men's team's fates, the women's team's fates. We've got a big special that we're going to be working on for the women's game to preview the Ohio State game in a week and a half on March Sunday. March 3rd. Yep. Um, and so we'll, uh, we'll see what we've got cooking for that. I know we've got some one-on-one conversations with some Hawkeyes that are going to be special. So keep your eyes open for that, both on our um, over the air and on our YouTube channel as well. You can follow Eye on the Hawks on X, on YouTube, and on Instagram as we proceed through the season. Anything significant for football, we're going to be approaching the spring game before too long. And basketball season, we've still got a lot to be said and done before all is wrapped up here. So for Curtis Fader and Mike Howell, I'm Owen Sebring. We'll see you again next week.